from Victory Gardens Theater in Chicago. You're listening to Small Fish Radio Theater in Thespinarium. We're your hosts, Herzovi and Green. Sharing their talents with us again are our very own wenches of word wizardry. Miss Kitten. And Joy Thorbjornson Coates. And also with a special guests, Eric Hetman and Max Everard. Smallfish Radio Theater and Thespinarium is here to give a voice to emerging artists, those small fish in the big pond. Emerging playwrights. Poets. Storytellers. And musicians, as well as a few writers who are well on their way. Tonight, Smallfish Radio presents a live recording of their latest podcast. A grisly feast. A collection of tales in the spirit of this season of the macabre. Tales that will consume your mind. As well as a few bodies. On the platter, three short plays, plus... A horrific episode of The Adventures of Skater Girl! A song by Jim Gustafson. A story by Richard Ballin. And to start us off, a poem. Who wrote it? It says, Tears for Thomas, who writes morbid stories. Visit Thomas.com to read all his glories. Here's Lullaby for My Little Boy by Tom Mizraka from Tarzana, California, read by Ms. Kitten and accompanied by Max Everard and Green. My son, sit back and listen to the words that must be said. I've come to warn my darling boy of the beast beneath his bed. This monster has 100 heads with tentacles like vines on little boys and teddy bears. This abomination dines. If any part of you survives, it will not make it past the creature in the closet who's twice as big and fast. A ferocious furry feline whose claws will tear to shreds those little boys and teddy bears who dare to leave their beds. There's no escape for outside here's the horror in the hallway. An evil creature of the night who's craving some new prey. He's tasted blood and he wants more. His fangs will pierce the eye of little boys and teddy bears. He hungers to suck dry. Shadows in the night will hide the killer in the kitchen. It's been so long since he's taken life for a killing he is itching. In the darkness of the room, this man will wait all night to slay little boys and teddy bears by refrigerator light. The demon in the den is there to haunt our living room. This tenant from the depths of hell will be the bringer of your doom. <laughs> It will possess your mind and soul, twisting with precision 
Little boys and teddy bears sneaking out for television. Now, my son, you know the truth. No safety's in these walls. Monsters lurk most everywhere in the closet, den, and halls. One of them will take your life before you count your sheep. So little boys and teddy bears should try to get some sleep. without the scary monsters, frankly, because when I was a little girl. Oh, when I was a little girl, we went and saw the ghost in Mr. Chicken with Don Knotts, and I was so terrified. I had to sleep on the floor of my parents' bedroom for at least a week. Well, I was never afraid when I was young. And I was never young. All right, but um pump Enough Falderall, our first play of the evening, The Late Mrs. Chadwick by Phoebe Roberts. Phoebe is a Massachusetts-based playwright who emerged from the subterranean depths of her sunless hermitage for this. She hopes it is worth it to you. <laughs> <laughs> That is a bold statement, friend. That is a four-time championship team you're talking about. I say the team is aging out of their skills. Their lineup has not changed in far too long. You... I say, Chadwick, did you hear something? I uh, beg your pardon? Apologies, nothing, old boy. You were saying... Yes, well, they've got to get some new blood in there. 36 isn't absurd, but there are no spring chickens when it comes to test cricket. Shrewsbury, are you quite all right? Uh, forgive me, old friend, but what was that? What was what? Are you aware there seems to be some sort of spectral lady thing floating around your parlor? Oh, yes. Good of you to notice. That is my late wife. Your late wife? Yes, Matilda. She's recently taken up residence in the house again. I see. But if I might ask, how can that be, given that Matilda is, what's the polite word, dead? Well, yes, in a freak croquet accident on the front lawn. Very tragic. I recall. Uh, but it seems that somehow, in the great beyond, word reached Matilda about my recent remarriage. As far as anyone can deduce, she is so distraught over the news that she's crossed back over into the material plane in order to seek eternal vengeance from beyond the grave. But please, don't let it trouble you. Oh, I hardly notice. Another cup, old friend. Please. On second thought, that's enough for me. Quite right. Uh, what does the, shall we say, living Mrs. Chadwick think? Oh, between you and me, old boy, I will confess that she's not entirely pleased with the whole arrangement. Oh, 
The poor dear. Apparently, Matilda sees fit to take out the whole sad business on her by vowing to haunt and torment her through this world and beyond until the fires of Judgment Day. (laughs) How unfortunate. You have my sympathies, Arthur. Well, thanks very much. These things are sent to try us. Where is your wife at the moment? Well, Hermione's found it a bit vexing to remain in the house for long periods, what with the flying crockery and uh, Matilda's propensity for setting fire to her hair. It looked rather like a Christmas pudding, she did. Oh, that's quite understandable. I rather thought so. So my dear girl's dedicated herself to having Matilda exorcised. <laughs> I say, exorcised. I believe that's the term. You know, banished, returned to the great beyond. For my edification, what is the process for such a banishment? In case any of my dear departed relations also elect to make a return visit? I'm afraid we're still in the process of figuring that out. Lord knows we've tried a few things. With no success, I take it. Not... Not as such, no. First, we rung up one of those, what do you call them, mediums who commune with the spirit world. Oh, yes, they're very entertaining at parties. To be sure, but this one seemed to have difficulty effectively uh, communicating with Matilda. Ah. I suppose I can't criticize. It was a feat I had yet to achieve myself in five years of marriage to her. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Perhaps you could find... Perhaps you could find a more diplomatic one. Uh, perhaps, but the whole affair has left Matilda quite cross, and I'm not inclined to weather that again. What with the blood weeping down the walls and all. Uh, most troublesome. And then there was the woods witch, who made a terrible mess of the drawing room with all those goats she sacrificed. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> It's all driven Hermione to become quite desperate. At the moment, she's gone down to St. Swithin's to ask assistance from the pastor. St. Swithin's? Your Hermione set foot among the papists? Shocking, I know, but the poor thing's quite determined. I understand they've some protocols in matters of peasant superstition. I suppose they would. One does hear all those terrible stories of priests with their heads all spun about on their necks, though. Indeed. Bad enough that the neighbors see see them coming in the house without their leaving unpleasant corpses. Still, I'm afraid we're rather out of options. I say, Chadwick, that sounds rather terrible. I've come to know that sound quite well. I believe it's the screaming of the servants. Excuse me a moment. Yes, indeed. She's set the kitchen on fire and released the horses from the stable. Oh, I do hope she hasn't barricaded the door this time. I couldn't bear to have to restart again. Quite the affinity for pyrotechnics, hasn't she? Forgive me, friend, but I'll have to run off for a tick and handle this. Uh, Can I be of any assistance? Uh, Don't trouble yourself. Please, stay at your ease. If you insist, sir. There won't be a moment. Oh, madam. 
that's quite a lot you've been up to, isn't it? <laughs> Would you care for a cup of tea? story that is also why I do not care for ghosts ghosts just want some attention usually that's why they're there there's probably hundreds of them in front of you every day and you don't even see them don't yes. you say that there might be some right back there I yeah. see one I think. la 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 yeah. la la I'm not yes. listening I'm not listening theaters are notorious oh, yes. for having ghosts yes and yeah. now it's time for a big creepy organ chord Speaking of evil that lurks right under your nose, it's time for our meaningfully meaningless minute. A piece of odd information. That may or may not be true. It could be an urban legend. You can always follow up if you care to. All we know is we heard it or read it and found it meaningful. As well as meaningless. Today's minute concerns a monster that can be found in your own backyard. The one and only Specius Speciosus. AKA Cicada Hawk or Cicada Wasp. Ew. You've all seen a Cicada Wasp or heard of it. It's, when it flies by you, it's like, like a B-52. And it has this huge thorax that sticks out from it's, its behind. This huge wasp. Ah. Well, you're not going to like this song then. <laughs> if you're a cicada like me, you best beware. There's a monster flying around out there. Oh, boy. Cicada killers, the queen's come to town. Oh no, she's gonna sting you, drag you underground. And it gets worse after that. Yes, it gets worse, cause when she stings you, you're paralyzed and can't move. Duh. I can't move. Boss Cicada, you've met your doom. You ain't leaving this dirty tomb. Cicada killers, they come to town. Oh, no. Queen's gonna sting you. Drag you underground. It's dark in here. Oh, the queen drops lava from my thorax. Buries you alive. Something's itchy. Two days later, 
Crumbs are snacking on your eyes. Not my eyes. They start chewing on your flesh. Tastes like chicken. They love cicada. Eat your dinner. Especially when it's fresh. Cicada killers. They come to town. They're everywhere. Queen's gonna sting you. Drag you underground. I can't even see what's eating me. is so absolutely gruesomely horrid. Poetic. What is poetic about a giant wasp torturing a helpless, albeit super gross, cicada? No, no, no. It's nature's way. The insect world has no compassion, oh, no remorse. <laughs> On to another alternative food source. Our next play. The Skinny Man by Chicago playwright Scott T. Barsati. Scott Barsati loves to eat, but doesn't get hunger pangs, which he is thankful for because nothing is scarier than a really, 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 really hungry person. Live mouse, live mouse! Ah, that's gross. Okay, that's gross. <laughs> you take a look back there. I'll look over here. All right. Man, this lady's basement goes on forever. You ever seen anything like this, Boothie? It's like a maze. You've been out here a bunch of times, right? Yeah, but never, uh, never down here. You ever hear these screams the neighbors call about? No. The lady who lived here said she never heard them either. Weirder that the neighbors are still hearing screams. Vix! What is it? Come back here. I think I found something. This wall, look at it. It's a different color here. It looks newer, patched up. Sounds hollow. Well, you think there's something there? See any tools lying around? I saw a pickaxe leaned up in the other room. Get it for me? Just a second. Ugh, it smells worse over here, that's for sure. Yeah. Thanks. Stand back. Ugh! There's definitely something here, Vix. Can you see anything? Uh-uh. Shine your flashlight in there. <coughs> what is that? What do you see? Looks like, uh, it's a bed. A bed? Yeah, weird. It's... Oh, my God. Give me the flashlight. What? What is it? There's someone in the bed. Ah, ah, what ah, is it? The freaking cockroaches are getting on me. Ah, sick. Jesus Christ, man. Don't do that. Oh, I hate those things. I don't understand why there is such a thing in the world. Yeah, well, maybe you're not supposed to understand. Yeah, right. Maybe I'm just supposed to squash them. I'm going to open the hole a little more. Watch it. <coughs> Here, lean this up over there. <coughs> I, I think I can squeeze through. 
Hand me that flashlight again. What, don't you have yours? Yeah, I just like yours better. Mine sucks. Oh. There we go. Oh. Wow. What? There's someone in the bed, all right. Who is it? I don't know. He's dead, though. Big time dead. Oh, it stinks. It's him. Come on through. If I can fit, you can fit. What are you trying to say? <laughs> Just get in here. No, oh, it needs about two dozen bug bombs down here. That's gross. You want to see gross? Look at him. Whoa. He's practically a skeleton. You think he was the one screaming, Booth? It couldn't be. This guy looks like he's been dead for months. Yeah. What the hell's he doing down here? Your guess is as good as mine. Who you think he is? Her husband or her son or something? You think the old lady was like holding him captive? Captive? Like holding him prisoner. Look, his wrists and ankles are tied to the bedpost. People do crap like that. Maybe he was abusive. Knocked her around one time too many and she finally got sick of it and just tied him up in the dark to rot. Right, he did. He's emaciated. Look at those eyes. He looks like... Like a mummy without the wrappings. Oh, his <laughs> lips freak me out. Look at them, all pulled tight and chapped, all torn up. They, what's all this stuff at the foot of the bed? It looks like a ritual. Hey, what are these little trinkets? Vicks! What? Um, crime scene, do not touch it, put it back. Hey, look at the markings on the wall, too. It looks like witchcraft or something. How long do you think he's been down here? Hard to say. The old lady vanished a, a week ago, but... He's definitely been down here way longer than that. The neighbors said they heard screaming this morning, right? Could he just possibly have died today? I guess it's possible. That's pretty bad luck, huh? Well, I can't even imagine life like that just slowly wasting away. Ugh, it's torture. He's probably better off. Ugh. Let's call it in and get out of here. That new current is a nut job. Hope you all geek to get this guy on his table. Wait. What is it? Look. What are we looking at? His chest? What about there. it? It moved. Watch. Holy mother, you're right. Is he alive? Check his pulse. You check his pulse. I don't want to touch him. Fine, fine. Shh. How could he still be alive? There's nothing left of him. Oh my god. He's breathing. Definitely he is. Unbelievable. I'll watch him, Booth. Go call for an ambulance. I'm going. And bring a can of rain, too. Sir? Sir, can you hear me? Sir, if you can hear me, try to open your eyes. Oh, my God. Look at your eyes. You look like you haven't seen daylight in years. Poor bastard. What's that? Sir, are you trying to speak? Oh, Jesus. So hungry. Conserve your energy, sir. Help is on the way. So hungry. Everything will be all right, sir. I'm a police officer. My partner is outside radioing for help. So hungry. I know you are, sir. Jesus, you must be. We'll help you. We'll get you to a hospital. So hungry. I know, sir. I know. Try to calm down. So hungry. Sir, my partner is right outside. She's calling for help. So hungry. Please, just calm down before you hurt yourself more. So hungry. Sir, please. Yeah. 
A mummy without the wrappings is what I said. It's unreal what this guy looks like. That ambulance on its way. What the hell was that? Stop. Vix, answer me! Ah! Friggin' roaches, get off of me! Vix? Oh my god. So hungry. Get away from him, get away from him now. Put your hands behind your head. So hungry. You have to the count of three to step away from him. So hungry. One. So hungry. Two. So hungry. This is your last warning. Mm. Ah! <laughs> Shit. Work, work, please. Come on. Where are you? Did I get you? Where did you go? Where are you? Where the f- So hungry. So hungry. I draw the line at cannibals. I'm going home. Oh, he's not a cannibal if he's not a human in the first place. It's Aww. a lot more fun if she thinks that he is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're the one who's scared of chickens. I bet you don't even like dolls. Well, there's nothing scary about dolls. Oh, you want to bet? I was on a blind date once. The woman had 500 dolls in her house if she had one. They were in the bedroom, the bathroom, the kitchen. It was just creepy. Ooh. Oh, it was very creepy. So creepy. Next on the plate, a story by Richard Ballin from Amherst, Massachusetts. Richard loves raking words into piles, and sometimes, just sometimes, he snags something that won't let go until the story is told. September again, and I was raking the yard. 
getting those leaves that enveloped beneath the bushes when my rake snagged and I yanked it up. The fabric was as dirty as the muck of the leaves, but you could see the tiny dress and the little legs swinging. It was a child's doll, right beneath my bedroom window. A doll with no head. It looked like it had been sawed off quite recently and the new cut ran jagged. I held it slightly away from my shirt and when the wind picked up, the little legs kicked. My dog was running in excited circles, yipping, thinking I was going to toss it. I put the dog in the garage, grabbed a spade and walked to the tree line. I wanted to bury it. There was no one around. My place is huge. You can't even see the neighbors. I looked back at the house. Someone had been looking in the window. My window. Where I sleep. Was it Tammy? Tammy was my kid's sister, two years younger than me. We didn't get along too well when we were little. She always had this prissy ten-year-old can't-you-ever-do-it-right air, which drove me nuts. When we were riding on the highway on the new Route 128 on the way to Wiggersheek Beach, I grabbed her doll, her favorite one, the one that cried and needed to be changed, the one she always cooed to, and threw it out the window. I remember the look in my father's raccoon eyes in the rearview mirror, and then the screech of brakes behind us. The doll bounced off the windshield of one car, then another. My dad pulled over, and while they were exchanging insurance papers, my mom waded through the traffic to get the doll. They would not look at me. All I remember was the little O of my sister's mouth. It stayed like that for days. Her eyes seemed to glass over like her doll. It was so creepy. She once lined her dolls up outside my door and wrote a note with my mother's lipstick, the letters all crooked like teeth, and it said, they'll always watch you. They know what you've done. 37 years, and she never spoke another word to me. Yesterday, the dog came running up to me with a ball. He's never learned to fetch proper, and as always, I had to pry it out of his mouth, slick with his saliva, until I noticed the matted hair. It was the head of a doll. I just stared at it for a long time while the dog snaked its way around my legs waiting for me to throw it. Its tooth had punctured the cheek and one of its glass eyes was missing. It had that hole in its mouth where you'd place a bottle to make it wet itself, round like the O of my sister's mouth. I dropped it and ran. My dog picked it up and chased after me. We ran like that for miles. I burned it in the fireplace, but this morning I could see its sooty eye winking at me from the grate. You see, my sister Tammy died three weeks ago. My parents aren't talking to me because I didn't go to the funeral. I'm no hypocrite. But in her will, she 
wanted to be buried with one of her dolls, the one that was missing an eye. Okay, that's it. I'm leaving. You can't. Just watch me. But we're up next. I don't care. Oh, come on. We have to read the letters. No more ghosts, I promise. No lying. No lying. Hmm. Welcome to our next installment of the Holy Mackerel School of Etiquette. Well, you write to our sisters, Joy and Kitten, and we help you navigate your stickiest of social situations politely and permanently. Our first letter has a simple solution. It reads, Dear Miss Mackerels, I sometimes don't know what to say to my new girlfriend. When we go strolling in the full moonlight, she becomes very agitated and looks at me very strangely. Two of her front teeth become longer, her fingernails lengthen and sharpen, and she becomes obsessed with kissing my neck. It's so distracting. How can I keep up a polite conversation? Signed, Speechless. Dear Speechless, while we realize that love can make us blind, our simple advice to you is to run away before it's too late. Our next letter comes from Hannah Fodder. Miss Hannah writes, Dear Miss Mackerels, what is the best way to politely get a loaned item back? My neighbor borrowed my chainsaw over a month ago and still hasn't returned it. And now I have dogwoods that need pruning. I've tried dropping tactful hints in conversation, but with no luck. How can I approach this without starting a bloodbath? Dear Miss Fodder, first, I would send your neighbor an invitation to dinner. Ask him to bring the chainsaw, that you've got some wood that needs cutting, and you're just not strong enough to do it. Go out and buy a hockey mask. Doll it up with some lipstick and earrings. Then cut off the power supply to both your houses. Disconnect the phone lines. Run a bath. Leave the front door wide open. And when you hear your guest arrive, scurry behind the bathroom door, but not before you've gotten your trusty meat cleaver. <laughs> then, as you hear him climb the stairs, start chanting something like, Murder. Spelled backwards. When he arrives at the door, jump out from behind it and scream. <laughs> only will he drop that chainsaw. He'll never ask to borrow so much as a cup of sugar ever again. Thank you, thank you. If you have a question to send to our Miss Mackerels, email them to holymackerel at smallfishradio.com. You mean the guy doesn't even get dinner? I know, right? I should give the guy dinner when he borrowed my chainsaw and wouldn't get it back? Well, there's talk of food. Uh, we're going to go next door probably afterward over at Clark's. You're going to come along, aren't you? 
Yeah, green, green is hungry. Shocker. <laughs> well, this song ought to kill your appetite for now. Flattened Fauna Bar and Grill by Jim Gustafson. Jim Gustafson's choice of personal transportation is a classic 1978 MGB because its trunk is the same size as a Weber grill. This is indispensable for his volunteer work as a chef and driver for Meals on Wheels. Have you ever been down south? I mean the Mississippi south. Where the roads ain't paved and there's real dark nights and animals freeze in your car headlights. They don't run, they just stand their ground till you smack them with that awful sound. If you ever find you're down that way, you better check out this small cafe. It's a place where I once stopped to dine, and now you're gonna hear this tale of mine. One, two, three, four. When a woodland creature crossing the street and speeding car eventually meet, Got the fixes for a swampland treat that's flat and fauna. Good to eat. Poot by you spice and a deep fried batter over anything. Heck, it don't matter. To make what they saw, Quam Gourmet served with culinary skill at the flat and fauna. Bar and grill. I'll never forget that fateful night when I thought I'd stop for a drink and a bite. Sign said swamp cuisine piping hot as I pulled into the parking lot. A bearded giant, strong and heavy, knelt in front of a banged up Chevy. Come on in, he said. Eat your bill. Then he pried some critter from his auto grill. One, two, three, four. Grab your chair and lock and load. Got our menu from the road. Set a spell and eat your fill at the flattened fauna. Bar and grill. Grab a table, lots of seating. These roadside critters, them's good eating. Everything's fresh today, my man. And he tossed that carcass in the frying pan. Now the place was clean with a homey feel, so I figured I'd get a home-cooked meal. Mama, the owner, kept it neat here at the Flattened Fauna. Stop and eat. Well, I grabbed the table and I sat down, but before I could even look around, uh, Billy Bob, this enormous guy, walked on over and caught my eye. You want to drink some river swell? Got some fresh from Daddy's stale? Goes easy, sweet and clean. Tastes like Amico gasoline. <laughs> I didn't have time to say no thanks for Billy Bob came to close the ranks. Tipped a giant earthen jug so he could fill my coffee mug. His toothless grin said, You better drink. Oh, well, it wasn't as bad as you might think. Got a real pungent taste. We brew it up from toxic waste. Then Billy Bob pulled up a chair. He's a hulking man with an icy stare. You know, my mama's quite a cook. He bellowed with a killer's look. Around these parts that ain't polite, you don't eat up every bite. 
Make my happy, don't tempt fate. Chat on, buddy, clean your plate. I didn't order, they just brought me food. I wasn't gonna argue cause of Billy Bob's mood. I couldn't leave, so I sat real still and stuffed myself at the flattened fauna bar and grill. One, two, three, four. Grab your chair and lock and load. Got our menu from the road. Sit a spell and eat your fill at the flattened fauna. Bar and grill. Yeah, I had possum, frog, and squirrel, and things that make your eyebrows curl. Turtle, skunk, and gator steak, weasel, fox, and rattlesnake. Billy Bob smiled and Billy Bob grinned when I finally got my second win. Then came raccoon, rabbit, rat, and mole, and mama with a great big bowl. Billy Bob looks and then he sighs. Mama's brung a real surprise. What have we here? Oh, you're just too kind. What gourmet treat did you just find? We call it stew, and that's because don't really know what it used to was. Could be otter, can't be sure. We just call it swamp de jour. I sat for hours and ate and ate. Billy Bob smiled as I cleaned my plate. Finally, I said I'd had my fill. His smile turned to a look to kill. He sprung to his feet and he walked away. I folded my hands and I began to pray. Then he returned with a bag and a knife. My mind had flashbacks of my whole life. Billy Bob smiled and nodded twice. How's about a bag of mice? Later on, if you want to reload, they're great for snacking when you're on the road. He took that knife and he slit the sack and he showed me his savory travel snack. Nothing like a fresh fried mouse in your dinner, buddy, on the house. Oh, I sighed to sigh and I grabbed the bag, though the thought of mice was enough to gag. Thanks, Billy Bob, you're a connoisseur, I called as I ran to the door. Got in my car and I said a prayer and I gunned the engine to get out of there. A truck pulled in as I drove out. Over my shoulder I heard the driver shout, Hey Billy Bob, turn up the fire. Then he scraped a skunk from his left front tire. One, two, three, four. Grab your chair and lock and load. Got our menu from the road. Cook that carcass from the street. At the flat fauna, drink and eat. Set a spell and eat your fill. At the flat fauna, bar and I ate possum once. I happen to like rabbit stew. Oh, the poor bunnies. I'll say oh. one thing. That song, it just made me more hungry. Oh, that means we can have time for lutefisk. Oh, that stuff is disgusting. Ew. No, it's they, not. It's your basic codfish, and you kind of soak it in lime, and then you lye. let it dry out. Right, because, you know, your basic acidity. But they make it with oh, lye. It's, it's so good, though. But it's, Thank you. it's fish, and it's lye, and... Right? Are you right. with us? Come on. Well, let's get on with it then. Yeah, well, 
personally, I could go for a nice leg of mutton right about now. Oh, yes, mutton, yes. Oh, I love mutton. Uh, it reminds me of our next play. It's time for The Curse of the Horned Babby by Lisa Dillman. Chicago playwright Lisa Dillman is mostly known for her ghoulish goulash recipe, which is designed to scare the pants off even the most intrepid of dinner guests. And don't look now, but she is sitting right behind you. First, their coma plague of flies. Then, flocks upon flocks of backwards flying geese. Next, come the fever in the well. And then, after every omen was plain exhausted. There come the babby. The cursed. Horned. Babby! Good morrow, townsfolk. I am a wandering minstrel of poetic tendency. Have you a colorful tale of local intrigue to share? One that I might set to the music of mine lute in exchange for victuals and a bed for the night? Eh? The dirty beggar wants a bed, does it? Um, I and a tale. <laughs> Forgive her, stranger. She knows not of the world beyond the gates of Grunterville, but... A tale we do have, oh, aye, and such a tale. Well then, spew it forth, staunch mother, as my stomach rumbles mightily. Yes, commence, cobbler's wife. You've always had such a fine way with the telling of the tale. Ah, uh, be sure. Well, if you insist, once upon a time in our village, the wee peaceful hamlet of Grunterville. Once upon a time in Grantville Fair. Grantville, named for the Granters who owned the mill. And the alehouse. And the apothecary. The blacksmith's shop. The taxidermist. And all yonder fields and valleys as far as the eye could see. A noble family there was. Were. Was. Aye, their coat of arms. A resplendent knight in armour, squatting behind a flaming bush. They lived on a yonder hill, in a grand palace made of stone. In a palace on a hilltop, the Granters dwell. A palace hall of stone. Not just any stone. Were a special stone called a grunter block dredged from yonder river. But you may be sure no grunters e'er touched them stones. Twere the villagers as hauled them up from yonder river's bottom. A goodly stone, though, to be sure. Aye, aye, a goodly stone, but cursed, as ye know, for twere the cursed spawn of the cursed grunters as brought ruin down upon Grunterville. I were but a girl at the time. Aye, a young maiden of sixty summers, so ye were, crone, so ye were. And I, but a young cobbler's wife. Your mister did fashion the stout brogans, worn by all us Grunterville. A well-shod hamlet we were, thanks to me sweeties, Grunterville booties. Local footwear, lovely. Your old fellow was only an apprentice at the time, were he not, baker's wife? Aye, with many a crusty loaf yet to be baked. A well-fed hamlet we were, thanks to me sweeties, Grunterville hot cross buns. And his cupcakes, too. Oh, 
good times they were, carefree times. Were they not lucky they had um, good times? We knew not how happy we were. Hey, nanny, hey, nanny, nanny. But then a wee baby did come. A boy child born to Lady Grunter up on the hill. Who the father was, they wouldn't say. But a fine clue there was, for it had a horn right in the middle of its wee babby forehead. Singing hey-ho, the horn in the head. Twere hideous to behold. Though none of us e'er beheld it. Not up close. Nay, but didn't I hear from the wet nurse up there on the hill that the horned babby fair bit off her nipple and then gave her a wee smile and a wink. It were that wink that put the chill in her. Vile and terrible that babby were. Head like a great melon with a horn sticking out from it like the devil himself. The great fat boneless legs on him and his cry like the yowl of a banshee. <laughs> A comely wetness her luscious teats did bear. Wasn't I sleeping of a night on me thin straw pallet when in flies the babby and tries to pull me nightdress up on me head? You never told that part before. I'm just now recollecting it. Seems a strange thing to leave out, what with the horned babby flying and all. Now I heard of it dragging itself along the town road, and, and I heard of it rolling down yonder hill. I even heard of it floating on its humpy back up and down the river or shimmying its way up a drain pipe. But I never heard it could fly. The spawn of the devil and you're saying it couldn't fly? I'm saying it's news to me is all. None but the grunters ever saw the babby up close. Uh, don't forget the wet nurse. Kazongas like rosy apples they were a righteous pair indeed. And now this crown is claiming not only did she see the babby up close, but he come flying into her chamber, grabbing at her stringy old watsits. So you're saying it, didn't I? I'm saying it's right perplexing. You know, I mentioned it afore. Oh, fair wet nurse, where hast thou gone and thy lovely hooters twain? Mayhaps twere but a dream, crone. Twere no dream. The babby come to me, flapping its great pudgy arms, puckering up its wee rosebud mouth and clawing at me nighty. And so what then? Aye, what did ye do? First, I fought him, but he were too strong for me, that hell babby from the pit. I cannot say what happened after that. Sure did I fall over in a dead faint at the sight of him. And who could blame ye, crone? Now, was this before or after ye was grappling with him? Eh? Let me reconstruct this terrifying scene. There ye were, sleeping like an angel. All of a sudden, in flies the horned babby, snatching at your bed garments and so on. Ye wake, gasp, horrors. And was it then that ye grappled with him? Or did ye faint dead away first and then grapple a bit later? If ye knew the first thing about the horned babby... Neither man nor beast has ever seen what's under your filthy nighty. I know that for a fact. So you call me a liar, do I you? I call it wishful thinking I do. Aye. 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 
Hey! I said I, damn your eyes. How'd you know the baby didn't fly, cobbler's wife? How do you know it did, baker's wife? Crone allows us how she's seen it with her own eyes. And it done not strike you as strange as the first you've heard of it. I told you it slipped me mind. Uh, tell me, good harpies, does the wet nurse still abide in these parts by any chance? And beg pardon, but where are all the men of the village? Gone, poor souls. The curse. Oh. Aye. Aye. I see. The curse stole away all your menfolk. Aye. The curse of the horned babby. Aye. And exactly whither didst the babby take them? Eh? Whither didst the babby spirit your menfolk off to? Was it the pit of hell? Nay, nay. Did it drown them in the river? Nay, not that minstrel. Well, what happened to them then? They didn't just disappear. Well, the baby ate them. Aye, chewed off their limbs, sucked out their blood and their entrails, and picked its teeth with their poor splintered bones. And used their hair for flossing. Uh-huh. And yet no one actually witnessed these events? Not up close. Such a vision of catastrophe, White would blind the eyes out any who looked upon it. Right. Well, I think I have enough to go on. Once I've supped and had a draught of good wine, I shall sing for ye the ballad of this poor, tragic village. Um... Yes? We've no wine to speak of, the baby cursed our vines. Well, bring me a tender shank of mutton. And some new potatoes. Then I shall immortalize Gruntville with a song most fair. Off you go. Um, the town flock expired some years back. Uh, don't tell me, the babby. Oi, that's it, the babby. Uh, and the potatoes then? Gnarled and rotted in the earth where they lay. Again, the babby. Could it be your menfolk simply starved to death? They were consumed alive by the babby. Every last mother's son of them. Oh, very well. It seems I shall have no supper, but ye shalt hear mine ballad, and then ye shall become acquainted with thyselves. Oh, in Gruntville fair, a flock of harpies their men did tear from limb to limb, their parts to share, to sing of it now. I can barely bear Sing hey nanny nanny hey nanny nanny hey Oh, he's very good Hi, such a voice Like an angel he sings once they brought the husbands down, they claimed the baby cursed their town. They blamed the baby for it all, for every grievance great and small. Their twisted minds dreamed up a curse, they even butchered a sweet wet nurse. Sing hey nanny, hey nanny, nanny, hey. Gruntville women, hear me now, one day you'll pay for this somehow. Thy village lacks both sheep and cow, nor any menfolk dropping trough. You're all alone, your wombs will rot, that's all will come of this foul plot. 
Sing hey nani hey nani nani hey. Minstrel, run! Bugger me dead! was flying that time, cobbler's wife. So it was, beggar's wife, so it was. Apologies, crone, for ever doubting your word. I told ye. Where were we? First, there come a plague of flies. Then, flocks upon flocks of backwards flying geese. Next come the fever in the wind. And then after every omen was plain exhausted. But before the arrival of the ill-fated minstrel. There come the babby, the cursed horned babby. <laughs> next episode of the adventures of skater girl the journey of our heroine who was born with a very old heart in her very young body and strives to keep her heart and the hearts of others beating by adding items to her bucket list in our last episode skater girl and the carp met a handsome young man named johan on the highest ledge of a tall building johan was waiting to fall because he had lost his keys and was near paralyzed without them. Except, of course, for the metronome ticking in his hand. Turns out this metronome keeps Skater Girl's old heart beating in time like this. Adding Johan's lost keys to her list of things to find, Skater Girl and Johan seal the deal with a kiss. She hoists him and the carp on her back, and we join them still climbing back down the building as a dark storm cloud approaches. It's also important to remember that both Johan and Skater Girl were bitten by the angry inchworm, bites which are swiftly spreading. As Skater Girl climbed down the building with carp and Johan on her back, the big black storm cloud grows closer, and the bites from the inchworm grow larger. Soon, certain realities come to be recognized, like what kind of building we are on. We're almost to the bottom. You can do it. You've got to get that bite looked at. What about yours? It's nothing, really. If I could catch my breath for one second... I feel frighteningly close to expiring. No! To catch breath must keep moving. Breath will get too far ahead of you. What is this building? It sure has a lot of windows. Look, that man 
hooked up to all those machines. So he is. Oh, look there, a woman and a baby. Two babies. I sure hope their hearts were born the same age as they are. Not old like mine. Look there, something important going on. People in white coats running. Someone must be dying. That's usually why people in white coats run. <sighs> Hurry. Black cloud almost upon us. And the skater girl makes her way down building. We join the old men and grandma who sit under a tree and do, yet, do not yet know that they are in grave danger. Angry Inchua is hovering over grandma's head, preparing to strike. So, shall we begin reading? <laughs> I don't feel like reading today. It's that big black cloud over there. Something is amiss. Well, we could do the other kind of reading, you know, uh, the kind of reading where we <laughs> pretend we're reading. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> <laughs> I can't watch such a display. It's horrific at their age. The wretched fools, oh, their distasteful embrace will be their undoing. Geronimo! Ooh! Whatever is that cascading from your hair? Grab it. I don't like bugs in my hair. <laughs> Why, it's merely an inchworm. Oh, he's adorable. I am not adorable. I am a sinister, villainous monster. He has an awfully big... <laughs> Oh, you little varmint. You... Oh, mouth. He bit me. He took a chunk right out of my nose. Oh, so he did. Oh, you should wash. Too late. Now, whatever venom he has bestowed upon me seems to be infesting me at an alarming rate. Oh, my goodness. Look at it spread. Oh, oh, where has that little bugger gone? I can't find him. And little did she know, I have retreated to the blue waves of her hair, hoping to catch a ride to the next set of victims. I'd give her a bite for good measure, but she smells rather odd. We must mount an expedition to find him before he bites again. But your bite, we need to have it looked at. You're no spring chicken after all, and that bite seems to be getting the best of your nose lickety-splickety. It will be <coughs> fine. Oh dear. Still breathing? Oh, uh, I'll have to carry you then. And the uh. grandma hoists the old man onto her back. <laughs> and runs in the direction of the tall building, just as Skater Girl and her friends made it to the ground. This bite on my arm is killing me. Mine is on fire. Perhaps a kiss would help? Perhaps. Clear! Wow. <laughs> That was quite a kiss. It even made a sound. That should hold us for a bit. Perhaps you should get bites looked at. Go inside. Inside? This building. Hospital. Hospital? Oh. Hospital. And as the truth opens our eyes to where we are. Grandma! Oh no, what, what, what's happened to the old man? Inchworm bite. 
Old man, are you still breathing? Oh. Inchworm bite. Like this one? Oh my, yes. Who are you, young man? This is the one who's meant to share his life with me. We found him on ledge, ready to jump and shatter into bits. Like a piñata, but without candy. And we saved him and his metronome. That's a very nice metronome. It keeps her heart in time, if you know what I mean. Yes, I see what you mean. Old men look very heavy. Perhaps you should put him down. All right. There. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> oh, someone should look at these bites. We should all go inside before the storm hits. Just then, the inchworm jumps from the grandma's hair. Ha-ha! There you are, you rascal. Hello there, lunch. Don't you bite my grandma, you pipsqueak. Fine. Come closer. And give me those skates, and I'll let your grandma go. No, dear. You keep those skates. Stay away from miniature angel of death there. Very well, then. No. I'm already bitten, grandma. You aren't. All right, then. Come closer. Closer! Skater girl, be careful, be careful! Shut up, fish! Here are my skates. Now let her go! Wait, what are you doing? Get off of me! Aha! I forgot to mention, you and the skates are a package deal! <gasps> you bit me again, you greedy thing! Mmm, delicious. I love a little earlobe for lunch. Leave her alone. Oh, if I weren't mostly paralyzed. But you are. So all you can do is watch me devour her bit by bit. If only I had arms and legs. Skater girl, hurry, hospital, right here. Run. My eyes, they want to close. Grandma, Johan, where are you? Suddenly, some wheels rolling quickly down the hall, and I feel like I'm going all... And I feel like I'm going right along for the ride. Wheels rolling quickly down the hall. Faces looking down at us. We, we close, close our, our eyes. eyes. <laughs> and I kiss Johan again. Clear. <laughs> and I kiss her back. Clear. And then, and then the, the sound, sound of, of beeping. beeping. Still breathing, are we? I'll finish you off, the lot of you! No! What are you doing? Let me go! Stop strangling me with your thread! Leave her, I said. Leave her! If I were you, boy, I would run! For after I finish this cocoon of death, I'm coming after that metronome! Suddenly, a saw cuts through the air, then the cracking of timber, but smaller. But no tree lands on the forest floor. <laughs> Who's crying? Is, is that my mother? Looking down from my thready prison, I can see my bed floating as I try to breathe. P people are crowded all around me. Get back, you're blocking my view. Let go of that. Grandma, Johan, Q. Hear me? I'm over here. Johan, help! They're, they're holding me down. Let go of that. It's only a matter of time now. A matter of time. And my heart went slower. And slower. Let go. Please let go of my metronome. Almost stopping.
won't be long now. Oh. Oh. I hope she's okay. Oh, well, what about Johan? I mean, and why were they holding him down? And, and what did they take from him? Be sure to join us next time for the final episode in the adventures of Skater Girl. You can find previous episodes on our website or on iTunes. And that's where later this fall, you can find this podcast. Just look for Small Fish Radio Theater and Thespinarium. Or on our website, smallfishradio.com. And check us out on Facebook. Click on the thumbs up and tell us you like us. Small Fish Radio Theater, giving voice to small fish in the big pond. If you're a small fish, check out our submissions page. And do write something for us. Tonight's episode has featured the talents of Kat Dean, Michael Herzovi, Joy Turbarnson Coates, Eric Hetman, Max Everard, and Michael John Kelly. Directing and sound design by Trina Kakasek. Small Fish. Smallfish Radio would like to thank Chicago dramatists and Phil and Dale Dean for writing to Miss Mackerels. We'd like to offer up special thanks to everyone who donated to our Feed the Fish campaign with a special shout out to Angelfish Fred and Carol Schmidt and Lee Francis. Special thanks to the musical talents of Ellie and Max Kakasik and to Chicagoland Methodist Senior Services for providing us with rehearsal space. Smallfish Radio Theater is produced by Michael John Kelly and Trina Kakasik. Thanks for coming, everybody. Good night. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. You guys were great.